Hello listeners. Welcome to a new special series episode of Master's Decoder. I am Anish Merchant, the Chief Decoder. The new special series would focus on a crisis management framework for the current pandemic due to COVID-19. The world is today not only battling the epidemic but also the social unrest. Individuals, businesses, institutions and government bodies are trying to balance the various parameters to create stability and ensure all lives are protected and safe. To get a perspective on the crisis management framework, I have invited Greg Shepherd, who featured a few episodes back on my podcast Masters Decoded. Greg is a serial entrepreneur, author, speaker, and an angel venture capital investor with a legacy of building and running sustainable growth businesses. Driven by a transformational leadership style, Greg has spearheaded multiple company exits throughout his career. His former company, Affiliate Traction, was acquired by eBay Enterprise Marketing Solutions in January 2016 as a part of cross-brand deal totaling $985 million. Leveraging his industry-recognized BROSS framework, we would cover it over multiple episodes to help you understand and apply the BROSS framework for the current crisis and ensure your business is successful. Hi Greg, welcome to Masters Decoded special series on crisis management framework for COVID-19. Thank you for taking time out. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope I can help. So, uh, we already had a conversation before and I invited you as one of the guests on the uh, Master Decoded podcast series. And in that conversation, I was pretty intrigued about the entire boss framework as well as the North Star. And specifically when it comes to North Star, how did North Star really get started if you can help to decode your background a little bit again and refresh people's mind, who you are and what you do? And then you can- Sure, yeah. So I'm a, a serial entrepreneur. So I've built and sold 12 companies and then made investments into several others. And every deal I've done is closed so far. So I've got a pretty good track record. Uh, along the way, I sold two companies to eBay. I've won four private equity awards. Um, I'm a TEDx speaker, a Forbes author, Forbes book author. The book is coming out next year. Um, I write for Forbes, Entrepreneur, Fortune, and so on, a bunch of different magazines. Uh, you know, sometimes I appear on the news uh, for different things uh, and, uh, you know, speak at events and everything. So that's that's basically the background. Uh, also co-founded uh, Boss Capital Partners, which is a syndicate that invests in uh, small startups uh, mm-hmm. in the tech space. <clears throat> and what what my passion is, is uh, for a long time, trying out different, what I call operating systems. These are ways that frameworks and such that people use to operate businesses. And that came from a desire to try to uh, increase the success rate. So if you look at the 80 to 90% of entrepreneurs that fail, uh, I think that every, anybody in their right mind would argue that that is an unacceptable failure rate, that, that mm-hmm. the, you know, that it's just more people should be succeeding. And because, you know, the United States, specifically the economy of the United States is built on the backs of entrepreneurs. Um, you know, the technologies that show up in bigger companies usually came from entrepreneurs who built them. And so they also change things in life. And when you make these entrepreneurs successful, it helps with wealth distribution. So it sort of helps spread out the wealth with different people. 
And so that's my passion. So I started by saying, why are these businesses failing? And I found out it was the wrong question. The right question was, what stages are they failing? And then why are they failing in that stage? Okay. The North Star came out of that because what I found out is that every reason why businesses were failing along that journey, level one, level two, through five, they were failing because they had misdirected themselves from the beginning because they didn't have a North Star. That was, okay. that was what happened. And so <clears throat> that changed everything for me. You know, that was when I was like, wow, there is a, there is a, a big problem here. And then I started to back into that a lot, right? I started to really, really think about it. And I was, and I was thinking of all the ramifications that could happen down the line if you didn't start out in the right place. So the analogy I use is, let's say that I'm trying to go from my house to your house and I don't have your address and I don't even know where I am right now. I, I could drive around forever and never find my, I'd run out of gas. That would be equivalent to raising capital. I would run out of time. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's impressive that companies and as young as startups, missing the goalpost, almost. Not uh, even having a goalpost. The problem is they don't even have one in the first place, right? So I'll give you an example. When you do a North Star, what's in the North Star is what? What is your company? What is your product? That's broken down by description feature benefit, okay? Okay. The next thing is why should somebody buy your product and why should somebody buy your business? That's problem, solution, impact. And then who should buy your business and who should buy your product? And that's your ideal customer profile and your ideal buyer profile of your whole business. When is what's the time horizon? How long is this supposed to take? And then how much? And how much is made up of two elements? How much do you want to make as an entrepreneur? And how much do you want to sell your business for? A lot of times people miss this. They go, I want to sell a $100 million company, $50 million company, whatever. That doesn't necessarily your make mean that you're making that much money. Dilution plays an effect. I mean, there's a lot of things that come into play when you figure out how much you actually take in. So you have to understand those parameters. So basically now what you have is our requirements. If you were to develop a product, you would have requirements. If you were to build a business and that business, the backbone of that business is a product, right? And so if you were to build a product, you would have to have a customer and understand that customer. So why would you build a business not understanding who's going to buy your business? Because essentially your whole business is just a product to the company okay. that wants to acquire you. So if you look at acquisitions, First of all, companies buy other companies to either make money or save money, right? And yeah. when they want to either make money or save money, they look for synergies. Either one of those scenarios are, are what they call synergies, so a strategic acquisition. And the majority of the time, the buyer of the business, so let's say you know, a, a company like eBay in my scenario has thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of customers. Mm -hmm. And you have maybe 150 customers. They don't care about your customers. They don't care about your revenue. What they care about is that they have already absorbed the customer acquisition cost, the CAC, for the customers that they've acquired. What they want to do is sell more things to those same customers. So that's why they buy you. So if you don't have a North Star that tells you who your customer is, you could have the wrong ICP, the wrong ideal customer profile. 
then when you go to try to sell on a strategic, you've just built a whole database of customers that are meaningless to your buyer. So why would you not want to know that right up front? Right? So just double clicking on this, I'm uh, wanting to understand, like when I look at companies which are unicorns today, or the new term which is called as sunicorns, uh, what about them where they are not looking to get acquired? Um, and these can be across various industries. So they are they looking to be acquired. Uh, so if you look at Uber, Airbnb, they're, they're looking to be acquired, but by shareholders. They go IPO and they're looking to be acquired by shareholders. So let, let's look at those are perfect examples. Yeah. It used to be that you could go into the stock market and the shareholders, those people buying stocks, would be okay. interested in acquiring companies during the tech bubble that just had promise. And that failed. And then it became companies that had a revenue model. They had to have a revenue model. And now that failed. Now you actually have to have revenue, not just revenue, profit. Yeah. See, so if you don't understand your ideal buyer profile, in this case, the ideal shareholders desire, then you're building a company that's going to fail like Airbnb and Uber and a whole bunch of others, right? Went into the stock market because it used to be you would go into the stock market and go IPO because you wanted to raise capital because you needed capital, thus you were losing money. Now you have to go into, into the stock market because you wanna grow bottom line revenue, because you wanna grow profits. Now it's all about profits. It's literally tipped upside down. So in that scenario, the IBP still matters and the North Star still matters. It doesn't matter. And those examples that you just listed are perfect examples of what happens when you don't do it, right? Mm. So you build a company for a year, five years, 10 years, and then you go, okay, we're ready to sell it. And you haven't built a company for the end result. You didn't start with the end in mind. You started with the meantime in mind. And that is a, wrong, a bad way to start, right? You start out every journey with some sort of a destination. I mean, you don't ready fire aim, right? You ready aim fire. You have to know where the target is in the first place. And the North Star sets the target. That's why I call it a North Star. You can see a North Star from anywhere, you yeah. know? But, but also when it comes to companies, they often morph, evolve. Um, and I call them amoebas. Um, and amoeba evolves and morphs as they get aligned to other amoebas. So in this case, you know, large companies today have become big. They started with one area like you spoke about who they are and what they are built for and what their product strategy is um, and then they soon became bigger and bigger and you know their product and everything's changed so how does not do you think not star shifts is it always to be permanent or it can evolve also you can pivot you you can pivot your business you just pivot your north star but, but you okay. have something to pivot from in the first place right imagine mm -hmm if you didn't have any direction to begin with, and then you just decide to pivot, you've got no basis for understanding where you're pivoting from and to, because it's not written down in the first place. You have this vague idea, right? You can change your North Star, but when you do it, at least you're thinking through thoroughly about what's going to happen and what you're giving up and what that means to the design of your business. Intentional business design and architecture means understanding what you're building. So think about this. If you start out with a North Star and then you say, okay, I want to build a house. 
And then five years in or two years in, you say, you know what? I want to put a second floor on the house. The house isn't built for a second floor. You can't just put a second floor on, right? You got to go back to the architecture of the house and say, well, shit, I need a bigger foundation then. I need to have deeper, uh, you know, a deeper foundation, fatter foundation, probably bigger walls. Shit, this house isn't going to work at all. It'd be less expensive and easier for me to start a new house, you know? Mm -hmm. So what I tell people is I say, listen, and the North Star gives people a process to go through. And that process that they go through allows them to sort of think through these things thoroughly. Maybe instead of building a house with one floor, because you didn't actually go through the exercise, you think to yourself, you know what, we may put a second floor on this house. Let's design it in the first place so that we can, just in case we want to. Let's leave a door open. Let's put a cutout for a window. Maybe we cover it up for now, but maybe we want to put a window in there later. So let's design so we can, right? And that changes the whole thing. Furthermore, if you go into a pivot, most of the time, a very dangerous pivot is to change your customer. That's a, that is a very risky pivot. A lot of people don't understand that that's a very risky pivot. If you spent time building up a customer and you've been doing demand generation and content creation, building stories and all the stuff around this, and you have an ideal customer profile, and then you decide, I'm going to go after a whole new customer, that's different. But okay. if you're pivoting to attack your go-to-market attack on that customer is different than it was before, but the customer is the same, you wouldn't change your North Star. The North Star would tell you that. You would mm-hmm. change your strategy, right? So the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that if you don't start by thinking about where you're going, the chances are you're going to have a hell of a time getting there, you know? Okay. And have you seen uh, pivots where people have to leave something behind? And when you pivot, you have to leave something behind. But often I have seen executives finding it very difficult to give up on certain things which they have built because it's almost like a passion built yeah. into something. It's like you're talking about your house, right? You yeah. built this house um, and you live here. You're passionate. You're, the emotion quotient is pretty high. And now you want to break it down and build a second floor. Uh, I tell so people, how- I'll tell you a story because I've been through this myself. Okay, I'll tell you a story. I was building a company in the ad tech space, right? In 2005 to 2000, or actually 2001 to 2004, okay? Mm. And I was building this company, and through that time frame, I built a company that accepted two types of customers. One of those types of customers were retail customers. And those customers, when they made a sale, we got a percentage of the sale, but it was empirical. They made a sale, right? They got the money. The other type of customer was for lead generation. And when they made a sale, they got a lead, which then went to a salesperson. And it was up to the salesperson to close that lead or not close that. I had 50% of each of those types of customers because I had two ICPs. Mm -hmm. Down the line, as the market started to mature and uh, fraud became prevalent right you could hire people in other in other you know developing countries to just go get a phone book and just start filling out leads fraud became a big deal but that mixed with the idea that sometimes they just had bad salespeople, 
And so you would generate leads, a salesperson would close it, and then somebody would call you and say, hey, you're giving me bad leads. And sometimes they were bad leads, and sometimes they weren't bad leads. You just couldn't tell the difference. And the whole thing became just a fog. And so I made the decision that I was just going to get rid of every one of those clients, except for the ones who made empirical sales, because nobody can argue a sale. You made a sale, you got the money, deal done. You can't argue. It's tracked. You owe me the money, period, end of story. At that time, there were a lot of tools being built to prevent fraud, but they were still a stretch away from being completed. And even when they were done, I saw the problem was still going to persist. So I decided to make that move. And I had to get rid of 50% of my customers, which required me to get rid of, you know, almost half of my uh, employees and move into a different office. I mean, it was a major, major, major pivot. Um, I look back on that pivot and I said to myself, if I had thought through my North Star and my customer profiles a little better, then that would have never happened. And it would have mm -hmm. accelerated my jump forward as a business. Let me explain deeper. I'll go one level deeper. In the North Star, when you decide the who, like who is okay. your ICP, who's your ideal customer profile, one of the things that I do is I ask a series of questions. I'll give you a couple of examples. What does the customer perceive as success, right? So what is success to them? Is it money? Is it experience? Is it time? Is it volume? What is it that they want? What do they perceive as success? What things would they do themselves and what things do they want to have done on the outside? Mm -hmm. Where are we going to succeed with customers and where are we going to let other competitors win? So Apple, as an example, their phones cost five times as much as droids. That's because Apple says, those aren't my customers. Our customers are willing to pay this much for our phones. They don't care about those costs. They don't even think of that as competition. And then I did a series, you do a series of user stories and customer stories, right? I am X, Y, and Z. I am this person. I work at this company. This is my position. And I want to do this so that I can do that, right? Yep. So I want to get leads so that I can make sales in the example I was just using. Had I done that correctly, I would have saw the problem because I would have thought I want to get leads to get sales. So my end goal for them is to get sales, not leads, sales. Well, mm -hmm. I'm not in control of that. They're in control of that, right? Because yeah. they get the leads and they have to convert them to sales. And had I realized that earlier, that would have never happened. I would have said, whoa, that's a liability because it's not in my circle of control or my circle of influence, right? This is yep. something that I can't control. This is totally up to whoever comes to the website and fills something out and whatever they do with that. There's two points that I completely lose control before I get paid, okay. right? And so had I noticed that earlier, I would have turned that off and said, wait a minute, what is another route? Well, the other ICP. Somebody buys something, they put in their credit card, they're still fraud, but the, the, it's, a, it's a tiny fraction of the fraud that you experience and, the, and all of the hassles that go with down the line when people start to put things in place to prevent the fraud. That just makes things even more complicated, thus more expensive, thus reducing your CAC to LTV ratio. So the North Star protects from that sort of a situation as one example. Okay. I'll give you another example. If you don't know the who, 
and let's say you're building your product, let's say for three years, you're building your product, you're building your product, and then you go and you try to sell it. <clears throat> and you say, okay, and you're talking to somebody about an M&A transaction, and they go, okay, so let me see your customers. Explain who your customers are. And you say, well, my customers are people between the ages of 30 and 40 that are male <laughs> that make between $60,000 a year and $100,000 a year. Um, they live in cities, all of the demographic information, which is not an ICP. That's just demographic information. It's part of an ICP. Yeah. And then they say, oh, sorry, that won't work because we're selling to millennials that live in the country. They're, though Your customers simply won't buy their product. You just lost the sale. And it's not like three years into it, you can just pivot quickly and go throw away all your customers and do it again, right? Mm. So... <clears throat> Going back to that scenario, I eventually sold that company to eBay. eBay had a marketing services division, and inside of that marketing services division was a network that focused on brand retailers. And I knew that. So when I did that pivot, I also redesigned it so that we only took on brand manufacturers. These are people that make, manufacture, and sell their own products, like a Skechers Shoes or a Nike or something like that, versus like somebody that sells somebody else's products like Sears or whatever, right? And so I went that direction and ultimately it led to a really nice exit for me. Now, had I not made that decision and I, I would have found that out at the table and walked away with my tail between my legs. So there's another example for you. And I can give you thousands of examples where people did or didn't have North Stars. I'll give you a, a good story. Uh, there was a company uh, about, see, I think it closed in January. And this company made, uh, it's one of my investments, and they made transit technology. So basically, they made software that enabled people to ride public transportation without using a ticket or a card. They could use their iPhone. Uh, they could recharge a card from their iPhone instead of having to go to a station or a kiosk. And at the same time, it, it allowed them to track all of the people that were on the buses or the trains or the ferries or whatever. And so those, these folks we targeted a certain buyer and we started to get, you know, these transportation agencies that were in that exact profile, sold the company in three years for 48 million, 750 with about two, two, a little over 2 million in revenue. So a huge multiple, right? Now I want, this story is a little different. And it's very important to understand this, that it is way less expensive and costs you way less dilution if you sell a business based on a higher multiple than only focusing on growth. Mm. A lot of people will say growth, 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 focus on growth because, you know, companies buy based on top or bottom line, right? Basically they buy based on growth margin and retention. Those three things pivot multiple. So does yeah. ICP, the ideal customer profile, synergies, strategic things, right? That pivots the multiple. So if you think about it, how much harder is it if, you're, if you start in the North Star and you're able to groom your business for high multiples than it is to just grow revenue? Growing revenue is expensive and causes dilution. So if you think about the end result, you sell a company for 3X that's doing a million dollars, you got a $3 million acquisition, right? Now, you sell a company for three, for, you sell a company at 10X, that has a million dollars in revenue, you make 10 million. It costs way less to do that because it's just starting from the right place in the first place. Yeah. 
now with the current scenario with what's happening do you see companies not start getting diluted we do see companies which are pivoting uh, and trying to within the same customer base but they are there are some who are pivoting in a completely new set of customers as well and um, i want to kind of change the gear a little bit and move towards the current scenario sure so once you have the north star right so mm-hmm. let's say that you have that in place some sort of a crisis comes in like COVID, and I dealt with this in 2008 in, in the tech bubble. Uh, 9-11 was a pretty disruptive force. So you have this, this pivot come in, right? You have this thing come in and, it's, and you're mm-hmm. in the fog of war, meaning you can't see in front of you, you don't know which way is up or down. You're in a black room, what they call yep. the fog of war. And you have to sit back and you have to say, okay, w- w- what do I do now? How do I do this now? The, the first thing you have to do is you have to figure out what is your circle of influence versus your circle of control. And at, in the beginning, your circle of influence is a very, uh, uh, it's a very large circle, right? You can influence a lot more around you. Um, and your circle of control is a smaller circle, but still a decent size because you can control those things. Now, once something like this happens, you lose completely. Uh, your, your circle of influence becomes smaller and the circle of control becomes very large, right? So now you're dealing with the circumstances that you don't have a lot of control over. So the first step in that is to put together a checklist of what you can influence and what you can't influence. So that's your circle of influence and your circle of control. And then what you do is you do a SWOT analysis on these different scenarios. So SWAT stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. The strengths and weaknesses are visceral. That's you. Opportunities and threats are external. So that's things mm-hmm. on the outside, okay? And then once you have this SWAT and you have this checklist of items that you need to do, very high-level items. For example, when I went through with, this, uh, with a couple of my companies, you know, it was about fundraising. Right, so we had done a round, and uh, you know that round was raised based on potential revenue. The revenue stopped. How do we increase the runway? Right, so one of the checklist items is increasing the runway, understanding the customer, like these sort of things, like to to understand the new world that you're dealing with. That's the idea of doing the SWAT, and that's the idea of doing these two checklists to understand this is the new world. This is the stuff I can't do anything about. This is the stuff I can do something about. I look at the two and I can determine how one can offset the other, right? To the best of my ability. Okay. So now that you've gone through and you have this sort of circle of influence and circle of control, and you understand that, that these things have changed, you still have your North star. What you need to do is you need to slide something in front of most of the time, people's North stars don't change. They just take a slight pivot. So if you decide during the process of deciding what is in your circle of control and what is in your circle of influence that have all these problems and opportunities, threats and weaknesses, then you start to develop this list. You need to go back to the North Star if and only if it changes your ideal customer profile and that sort of stuff. If it changes your what, why, who, when, how much, all of that stuff, right? Otherwise, you're just going to leave your North Star alone and you're going to attack it differently. And you're going to move into creating 
uh, a strategy to deal with this that's different than the strategy you have, which we can do, you know, on the next episode. But let me drop this one note um, that I think is is relevant. When you are going through this process, you have to be extremely candid with yourself. You can't hide from reality because that will absolutely kill you. You have to think in terms of, you know, there are things that are going to happen that you're not aware of. What are these things? And, you know, try to find those blind spots. And there are things that you already know of, and you list those things. Um, it's really important also that you don't overanalyze and do analysis paralysis, that you actually take the appropriate amount of time and don't overthink it, right? And use your team to help you out with this. It's really important that the team is in on it. It'll help them feel some relief also. Does that make sense? Makes sense. And I think you've, the last point was amazing, what you said, to be candid with yourself. Because the famous wars have been lost where generals were too uptight about themselves and they were not candid with each other. And you spoke about the, the fog, the war of fog, which they couldn't come out of it. And they were in it and they weren't candid with them. So they couldn't discuss the strategy or think or rethink the strategy in that crisis scenario. Yeah, so you know it's a good analogy. I'll tell you a really good analogy. Behind me, I have this painting of Steve Jobs. Mm -hmm. Steve Jobs once said, once you understand the problem, you are 99% to the solution, right? right. That, that's one of the things, and that, that's what this program is supposed to do. The other thing you have to realize that Steve Jobs and Barack Obama and many other great leaders get went into a situation that was just a dumpster fire. I mean, uh, Apple had 30 days of revenue before they went out of business. Yep. He saved it and turned it into the most valuable, valuable. electronics company on the planet, right? And yep. Obama walked into the greatest recession since the Great Depression, two wars, and inflation uh, of or def deflation of, uh, of valuable assets like home, real estate. I mean, everything was completely upside down. People were dying. I mean, it was a giant disaster. This strategy I gave you, that's what they used. They used a version of this strategy where you just simply break it down, right? Now, in that process, I think I want to close on this, and, and then the rest of it we can cover in the next episode. But in that process, using the five whys is a very, very good tool. The five whys is a very simple uh, algorithm. And I'll, I'll give you the example because most people learn from the example uh, more than me explaining the logistics. So let's say that you have a restaurant and you walk into the, the cooler and inside the cooler, there's a bunch of rotten food. And then you ask yourself, why is there rotten food? That's ridiculous. Why, why is this happening now? Some person would say the food's all rotten, let's buy some more food. But this yeah. guy instead says the food's bad, why did the food go bad? And, oh, there's too much humidity, why is there too much humidity? Because the roof is leaking, why is the roof leaking? Because there's a hole in the roof, why is there a hole in the roof? Because somebody didn't repair it. And one more question, why did somebody not repair it? Because there's no budget, right? So that's an example, and going through this uh, you, as you go through this process, that's a tool that you can apply along with the SWAT. And just on that point, Greg, let's discuss strategy and how in the current scenario, any company or any individual, whether it's personal or in professional life, if they want to, are thinking about pivot 
or thinking about the strategy to look ahead out of the current situation i think we'll take it to the next episode so thank you for taking time out on this one and uh, really appreciate and great examples by the way the last one just hit the nail on the head thank you i appreciate that thank you for listening in and we close yet another episode of masters decoded if you've enjoyed the episode please you can help us out by sharing it on social media i would personally appreciate that it's how we can reach more listeners and the more listeners we have the more awesome guests i can get in touch and convince to participate in these conversations that are a joy to have for me and i hope they are a joy for you to listen as well you can also help a lot leaving reviews on itunes or your podcast service of choice reviews are surprisingly helpful in supporting the podcast to get to more listeners if this episode has intrigued you i would request you to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date and get notified to the future episodes with that i bid you and see you in the next episode